Welcome back to the Ancient Health Podcast, where we educate you on real health solutions that will help transform the way you live, feel, and overcome disease naturally. I'm your host, Courtney Versage, along with Dr. Josh Axe and Dr. Chris Motley. We're so happy you've joined us. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, friends, welcome to the Ancient Health Institute Podcast. I'm your host today, Dr. Chris Motley. And today I have a very special guest, a very special friend. Evan Brand, this guy's podcast has been millions of downloads, over 400 to 500 podcasts. I hope that may be more than that. And he has reached millions of people with his information. He is an expert in functional medicine. He has a clinic that helps people from chronic diseases, chronic infections, low libido, fatigue, you name it. He's helped these individuals. I'm so glad, brother, that you were able to join me on this podcast. So on this podcast today, we're going to cover lots of ground. We wanted to talk about some chronic infections. We wanted to talk about things you recommend and even testing. But remember, it's free range. So thank you, brother, for joining us here. Oh, thanks for having me. So let's knock out some myths right out of the gate. I think that's the best place to start with the chronic infection piece, which is the the myth that parasites are rare. You have to go to some tropical country to get those. That's not Mm -hmm. true. We'll go ahead and debunk that now because the whole food supply is international. Your pineapple comes from Costa Rica. Your organic blueberries come from Canada. Your avocados come from Mexico. Your grass-fed ground beef comes from Brazil. So the entire food supply is international. So this idea that you got to travel to Bali, otherwise your gastroenterologist says it's impossible for you to have these parasites like Cryptosporidium, Giardia, Blastocystis hominis, Cyclospora, Dentamoeba fragilis. I've seen these hundreds of times. You can run a DNA stool test to do it. You could try to beg your doctor to do it, but generally they won't. They're still using outdated stool testing. And I've seen it. I've suffered from parasites. That was what got me into functional medicine school was Mm. I was suffering and I lost 25 pounds. I thought I had cancer or something and it was H. pylori, which is a common Mm. bacterial infection that damages the stomach and causes ulcers. And then I had two parasites all at the same time. So these infections are not rare at all. So folks, if you have gut issues, diarrhea, constipation, stomach cramping, skin issues, histamine intolerance, chronic fatigue, anxiety, and you've been told this is in your head, it's probably not in your head, it's probably in your gut. That Brother, when you say that, it makes me think about how we, we, we interact with our patients and people come to you all day and come to me and say, they think I'm crazy. Uh, uh, people say I'm crazy. And that story, that of your life story, that when you lost 25 pounds, what were like, I, I mean, what were like, when you started to lose the weight, I mean, you started to go, where, what am I going to do? Like, what was that, that marker that you went, something's going on? Like, I know something that has to be changed. Like, was there a particular moment in that? Because people out there say, I, that's happening to me right now. What made you go after getting the parasite testing? Well, it was my grandmother. When she looked at me, I was living down in Austin, Texas. I was working for a supplement company down there years ago. This is about 2013. Mm-hmm. My grandmother came down to visit me and she looked at me. She hadn't seen me in a few months. And she goes, my God. She goes, Evan, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you're so skinny. I can see your ribs. And I'm like, oh God, have I lost that much weight? She's like, yeah, this is bad. And so Fortunately, I had a couple of friends that were into functional medicine already, and they said, man, why are you not running a stool test? I just didn't think of it. And so I ran a stool test. Boom, there it was. I was positive for H. pylori. And the mechanism, I think it's important for people to understand this, not just the infection, but the mechanism. Okay, The mechanism is H. pylori damages what are called the parietal cells. These are what secrete stomach acid. So Mm. essentially, you develop hypochlorhydria, which is low stomach acid. Now, whether you're eating your meats, your veggies, your fruits, whatever the heck you're eating, 
you can't digest it because your digestive fire has essentially been turned down. When that happens, now your gallbladder can't release the stored bile to break down fat-soluble vitamins. So then you end up nutrient deficient. Your hair and skin become a mess. Your nails become brittle. You become exhausted. Some people lose weight like I did, but some people gain weight. So if you have a woman that mysteriously gained 20 to 50 pounds without trying, she didn't change anything, it could be also related. I mean, when people have come to us and when you say that those changes happen in your body, when people, when you say that people don't even realize that parasites are in our culture, you say when you eat foods from all around the world, I find it uh, pretty amazing that uh, we're not taught that parasites live in vegetables and live in fruits and they live in people and they live in their animals. And then it's such a high uh, amount of that's in our bodies. I've even uh, seen reports that they say that parasites are out there and some parasites in a way live in symbiosis because we have so many other toxins in our bodies that actually can be that parasites eat up, but they live in a way off of each other. And when you say you start to see the weight gain, you start to see the symptoms, how often, and I know we do, but how often do we see like co-infections of parasites or metal toxicities? Can we go into that a little bit too about that coinciding with parasite infections? Sure. And I think you and I hit this on the podcast we did on my show together, which was fun. We talked about it's the good. issue with heavy metals and parasites, basically the fact that, yeah, Maybe parasites are here to save us from our toxicity of heavy metals. Maybe there's some sort of synergistic effect there. But the reality is, to me, because of the inflammation that we're seeing in the gut, there's a marker called calprotectin we look at. Mm. When you see gut inflammation, you see low secretory IgA. So then we assume there's a leaky gut component to it. Well, I don't like that. So if the parasites are doing that to the gut, maybe they're helping us, protecting us from the metals. But hell, they're creating inflammation and damage to the gut. So that's not good long term. So maybe short term, somehow whether it's this development of biofilm or whatever else is happening, maybe there is a protection from the other pollutants like mercury fillings in your mouth, for example. However, long-term, I'd say we got to fix all of it. So I, I forgot agree. the original question because I was kind of ranting on this metal. No, piece, no, but. it's great. So when, we, when you find all the symptoms and we found that there's parasite toxicity, in your practice, uh, when you, I love the way you said testing. You said secretory IgAs. Like those are some of the main, what are some of the main, I, maybe you already mentioned them, but is there like other markers that you would say to a person that if you found this in your blood work, you need to go look after parasites? Sure. And I remember your original question. It was how common am I seeing co-infections? Yes. Well, yes. I guess it depends on what you define as a co-infection. So if you uh, <laughs> I would say co-infections where like you'll see stuff like yeast or okay. strep or something or bacteria in, in that set case as well. Okay, sure, sure. I know you and I may geek out uh, into Babesia, Bartonella. I mean, we can go wherever go. you want. So Let's so, go, let's go. So those are more tick-borne uh, co-infections, but in terms of the co-infections of the gut, yeah, you're right. So Klebsiella, Pseudomonas, Morganella, Streptococcus, Staphylococcus. Prevotella is a big one because Prevotella copri, this is a bacterial infection that causes about 75% of rheumatoid arthritis cases. What? Yes. Prevotella co yep. copri. Yep, Prevotella. And you can measure this easily on the stool. This is a trigger for 75% of RA cases. This is in the literature. This is not even just clinical observation. This is in the literature. And I've seen it time and time again. People that come in that are on Humira and other types of medication for this, we look at their gut. Guess what? They're always high in Prevotella. So to answer the question about how common are co-infections, meaning if you have H. pylori, I talked about how that downregulates stomach acid production. Now, this really sets the stage for more co-infections, and here's why. When your stomach acid is too low, not too high, conventional doctors want to teach you it's high stomach acid, you need proton pump inhibitors. This is not the case. It's a very rare situation to have high stomach acid. You can look at the book Dr. Jonathan Wright wrote called Why Stomach Acid is Good for You. It's the exact opposite. He used a Heidelberg probe to determine that by the time you're age 40, you're making half of the stomach acid you made when you were 20. 
This is why people say, oh, I had an iron stomach when I was a kid or a teenager, and now I react to everything. Well, because you're with age, just like hormones tend to drop, testosterone levels in men, they're already dropping by 40. Same thing with HCL production. Now, if you combine the natural aging process, plus you have H. pylori, which is an extremely contagious bacteria, over 50% of the world population has it. Now, when it becomes too high, that's when it creates damage to the gut. Once mm. the stomach acid is turned off, now you go and you eat the sushi out in downtown Nashville with your friends and you get exposed to a parasite and the stomach acid level is not high enough to kill that parasite off. Mm. So now it has a place to live because the stomach acid level was too low to kill it. So this is how you get in big trouble. So chicken or egg, was it parasites? Was it candida? Was it SIBO? Was it H. pylori? I think the biggest first step that really screws everything up is this H. pylori piece because that's what happened to me. And then when I did further testing, then I found the candida, then I found the SIBO. And so the problem is when you're working with, say, a naturopathic doctor, for example, you may come in with this SIBO diagnosis. Maybe you do a breath test for SIBO. Mm -hmm. I don't like those as much as I like doing the stool testing because I mm -hmm. want to know specifically what bacteria they have. If you do a breath test, it's generic. All you're going to see is methane and hydrogen. Mm -hmm. And the typical prescription in the conventional world is something like rifaximin or other mm -hmm. antibiotics. Yep. Now, the problem is we have so many different strains of antibiotic-resistant bacteria. You know this well. Herbs still work. The drugs don't. So I've seen so many people that have already been the conventional SIBO treatment route, or they've gone to the naturopath, and they've gotten clove and garlic and berberine and oregano, and they get better for a couple of months, and then they relapse. Mm. And the problem is they're not working enough upstream. If you still have an H. pylori infection that you haven't fixed, this SIBO SIFO problem is going to continue to occur. And I'll take it a step further because this is what happened to me. I got sick from mold and mold toxicity. Mold weakens the immune system. So mm -hmm. no matter how hard you try to rotate through these antimicrobial herbs, anti-parasitic herbs, if you have a mold toxin problem from a water-damaged building, even from your childhood, you can be walking around with these mycotoxins. These are like mold farts. So it's not mold that makes you sick, but they off-gas these mycotoxins into the air and these disrupt the immune system, they disrupt the blood-brain barrier, they disrupt the gut barrier, they damage the kidneys, ochratoxin specifically, very common. Mm -hmm. It damages the cerebellum, so it creates tinnitus, vertigo, dizziness, some of the stuff I've suffered with personally. If you don't find and fix that mold problem and get it out using specific binders, these bacteria are always going to have the opportunity to come back. That's how they get the name opportunistic infections. They mm -hmm. have the opportunity, because of the mold, letting them in the back door. It's like the bouncer at the club who's like, hey, come on in. He's letting them all in, and mm. then they're disrupting your gut. So the problem I'm, I'm finding is I was hitting the gut, 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 gut. I thought it was all gut, and then mm. I was missing this big toxin issue that was behind the scenes. So when we do the okra toxin test, brother, you're saying like we'll, you, you suggest when you su suspect like the bacterial infections that are keep reoccurring, you say go get like as an organic acid test that would, is that something that you would suggest to find the okra toxin or the mold toxins? Which kind of testing would you suggest for that? Yeah, so it's a combination profile. So it's one cup of fasted urine and you can run two labs on that same cup of pee. You can actually run more if you want. You can test chemicals as well. So sometimes for the children I'm working with that are on the autism spectrum, we're testing them for glyphosate, all sorts of herbicides, pesticides, plastic chemicals, rubber chemicals, phthalates. We're running all that on those children because generally their toxin bucket is so full. But the vast majority of cases, we can find most of what's wrong with them, whether it's chronic fatigue, anxiety, depression, uh, any sort of like mood disorder, bipolar, OCD, insomnia. You can identify so much of that just based on one cup of pee and you will run the oat. So that's the organic acids. And then you will run a mycotoxin profile. 
So okay. MYCO, that's the mycotoxin profile. That's where you'll see things like ochratoxin, mycophenolic acid. Zierilinone is a big problem. I want to give a brief talk about this. Zierilinone is a mycotoxin that comes from a mold called Fusarium. You can mm -hmm. measure whether people are growing this in their body. So you can actually, if you get exposed to mold long enough or your, your immune system is weak, you can actually become a mold factory. Meaning mm. you're literally colonized growing mold either in your gut, in your sinus cavity, and or your lungs. So even if you travel to a desert island where there's no mold, you escape your moldy house, you can stay sick because you're bringing that mold colonization with you. So you can measure this and you can determine this on an organic acids test. This is an incredibly important piece of your health because you can take all the charcoal and zeolite clay and binders and it will never get you better if you don't stop the factory. So you can be a mold reservoir or you can be a mold factory or you can be both. So that's what that testing will uncover. And then you can also look at the mitochondrial function, which often get damaged, which is why Dr. Brewer, guy ran a chronic fatigue clinic in Texas for a long time. Mm -hmm. He tested hundreds of patients with chronic fatigue and 93 to 96% of them had at least one mycotoxin in their body. So we can't say 100% mold is the number one trigger of chronic fatigue. I think Lyme is a big one too, but I tell you, it's certainly up there. It's in the top three. I, this is such great information for people out there that are suffering from chronic fatigue. These are the things they need to be getting uh, checked out because I was thinking about you the other day, man, because I had a patient that come in and I, she'd had depression and, uh, and she's only 17 years old, I think, 17. And, um, you know, you talk about being a factory. So many people out there say, what do you mean like being a factory? Like people can be like strep carriers. They can be H. pylori character carriers and not really show symptoms that we would say are symptoms. You know, we want people to be hawking up, you know, snot and, and having fevers. But all the while, like you're saying, depression is a huge sign of these things. And I would say, I, I said, okay, we had to find out what's going on with this, uh, with her gut, because I was missing something. I would find strep and I was finding these things, but found out H. pylori, such high antibodies with H. pylori. And when I was reading about, you know, like you say about damaging the stomach parietal cells, and it also said about how it influences the mood. I think it's so amazing how the body, like you say, will become a reservoir. It actually tries to adapt to the infection as well as it can. And it sometimes I think that it gets used to it. And it's like, oh, it's, um, it's here to stay. I guess I just got to live with it. And when individuals out there in our conventional medical realm, they're never pushed to go get your mold toxins checked or, you know, they're never pushed to go get like your H. pylori checked. I know that people around the world come to you and they're getting, like you say, mold is like one of the issues and parasites are one of the issues. I think that you've seen so many things. I want to go into not only that, let's go into Lyme a little bit because me and you have talked about Lyme. We talked about Babesia. So we don't know the testing out there. We have some similar, I want to talk about your journey with Babesia. I want to talk about the testing you recommend and some of the symptomatology, if that's okay, brother. I think that'd be great. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I'm doing so much better since you and I were texting. You and I were going to look at protocols together, and I'm doing so much better. I turned the corner. So as Sweet. you may know, with these type of issues, it's a roller coaster ride. This is with mold toxicity. This is with also the trauma and the stress of having family members that either think you're crazy or, in many cases, your spouse. I've saved countless marriages in my functional medicine practice because the husband's ready to leave the wife because he thinks she's crazy and she just needs to go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And I'm like, get your husband on the call. Okay, sir, listen yes. up. I've seen this a thousand times. The reason she has anxiety and depression is not because she's crazy. She has gut inflammation due to these infections. She has mold toxicity. She had breast implants, so she was growing mold. Breast implants are often moldy. So ladies, 
If you don't have breast implant illness now, you may later. You could check out the podcast I did with Dr. Andrew Campbell. He's a medical doc. He's been treating breast implant illness for 25 years using antifungal medication. When you pull out implants, they're often colonized. You'll see mold growing on these implants. So these women are so sick. I did a podcast on this as well. There was a woman I had that had like 90 symptoms. About 90% of them went away simply after getting her implants removed. She was still colonized for mold, so we had to use herbal antifungals. But this Mm. is a massive problem too, so I'll just give a brief mention to that. But on the subject of Lyme, Babesia, Bartonella, in this part of the country where you and I are, it's incredibly common and it's incredibly underdiagnosed. I remember years ago when my wife and I, she had a tick bite. I thought, okay, maybe we should just do a small round of doxycycline and knock this thing out so Mm -hmm. it doesn't turn into chronic Lyme disease. So we went to a local clinic, spoke with a medical doc, and he laughed in our face at the idea that she would have Lyme disease because she didn't have a bullseye rash. And as you and I both know, it's extremely uncommon. It's maybe 20 to 30% of the time. Do you even see the tick bite? Or do you even get a rash? So this idea that you've got to have a bullseye is BS. And it's really frustrating because then when you get laughed in, you know, when the guy laughs in your face like that, you leave the clinic pretty hopeless and pretty deflated. And so that was our situation. I thought, okay, we're going to have to do it our own way. So then I began researching uh, Buner protocols, Cowden protocols, a lot of the famous herbal protocols for Lyme and co-infections. And we started experimenting with it. So whether it's cat's claw and astragalus, or uh, you've got a toba bark. There's many, Mm. many different herbs that you can use to help that are amazing. But the problem is, once again, here comes mold. And what I've discovered is if someone has a big mold toxicity problem and they're trying to treat Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, they won't fully get better from those infections if the mold is still suppressing the immune system. Mm. It's almost like ding-dong ditch, like the mold is pressing the doorbell, bing, 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 something's wrong. But eventually the immune system, as you said, gets used to it and kind of gives up. So I encourage people, if you've gone down this Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia rabbit hole, you've pursued this and you've treated with different herbs or different doctors and protocols and you haven't gotten better, it could be because you're missing mold behind the scenes. And that was my story. I had many tick bites as a kid growing up in Kentucky, going to rivers and lakes in the summer, going in Mm -hmm. the woods. I love being in the woods. I've had many tick bites over the years. And I thought, okay, I've tested positive for Lyme, Babesia, and Bartonella. These are my infections. This is my destiny. And it wasn't until I started using binders for mold that I started to make progress with the Lyme treatment. Mm. So it's pretty interesting. I love it because I, I think that many times I've uh, with mold and Lyme disease together uh, in my room, like whenever I start to cleanse out excess Babesia or Bartonella, one of the biggest things that I've always fi- found was that I'd always find mold toxins that would show up. And to me, I get onto myself, brother, because I'm like, why didn't I just look for that in the first place? But you learn as you go along because- Many times, I'm so surprised that now that fungus is so prevalent in people's bodies that any reproductive issues, uh, sterility, I mean, I'm not saying it causes that, but I've found that people that had a big correlation just in that, where they have huge mold toxins that would be shown present. And when they started to reduce them, they say getting binders, that they actually were, you know, got their reproductive health back. And I think it's really important that individuals, when they come to you and they see your website and see the information you give out there about how this one area can literally like affect them. Like you called about CFO, the small, you know, the, the fungal overgrowth. And there's good funguses out there that help us and such. When you're talking about um, with just like with breast implants, I mean, I got to tell you the story. I, I had a, remember I had a patient that was six since she was 18. I know you've seen this too, brother. And I, she kept having these areas around her acupuncture system that was on her left side of her chest. It just kept on like the acupuncture points were always on fire. And so they thought that she may have ruptured a breast implant. So I was like, you know what? I would go get it 
checked out now and as fast as you can, if they can remove them, I would, I would suggest that. Well, they did. She did rupture it. Well, they took pictures of it. And when they removed it, the one that was ruptured, even the other one had some on the outside, but the one that was ruptured had mold growing all, it looked like a shower curtain. I mean, it was so bad and she was so sick. And now she, you know, I was doing everything under the sun. Like you just said, she had Lyme, she had Babesia. I was treating everything. And I was like, man, you should be getting better. Like this is, this is unreal. And then when she got rid of the mold and we started treating out the mold, all of her symptoms started to go away. And I was like, you know, those telltale signs that you need to keep investigating. And I think that in our world, do you feel this brother, that there's times now, it's just that in our health industry, I'm not trying to bad, bad mouth anybody or any type of industry, but it's like, it's not, we're not about investigation anymore. It's just like, well, here's a symptom here. You take this. What with that investigation, you're finding out new things like with mold and such. What are some of the, um, the things that I guess motivate you? What are the new, like the new things that you're finding out there with your investigations, like new technology and stuff within laboratory testing with infections? Sure, sure. I'm going to come back to that because I, you brought something up about the fertility piece. I don't market myself as a fertility specialist or a functional medicine fertility practitioner or anything like that, but I've had more success probably than some of these fertility clinics. And I know that because I've had women come to me who've already done ten, twenty thousand $20,000 IVF treatments that have failed or the IVF was successful and then they ended up having a miscarriage and they can't get pregnant again or they're afraid to get pregnant again because of the trauma associated with the loss of a fetus like that. Mm-hmm. Mycotoxins massively affect fertility. Uh, earlier, we brought up fusarium and how fusarium makes the mycotoxin called zearilinone. Uh-huh. Well, in the nutrition world, you see people freaking out about soy, right? Soy is kind of demonized. It's highly estrogenic. Don't do soy protein. You're going to grow man boobs. There's this big fear about soy in the nutrition world. The reality is this mycotoxin, zearilinone, is far more estrogenic than soy. So what? like if you had the option of being in a, da- in a water damaged building and breathing in zearilinone, or eating a soy protein bar, if I had to choose one, like if there was a gun to my head and I had to be in this moldy building with Sierra Linone or eat a soy bar, I'm eating the soy bar because that is not as damaging as the Sierra Linone. And you can measure this and the lab will tell you on their report, they will tell you Sierra Linone is known to cause not only birth defects and autism, but also miscarriage. So if you have been suffering from fertility and you know, the, the one issue I have, as you mentioned in the mainstream, I also have an issue with like mainstream Hollywood and social media because now if a woman posts a picture of her crying that she had a miscarriage, every other woman's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I can relate. And it's like becoming normal now. Yeah. You know, years ago, it was one in 10,000 had autism. Now it's like one in 15 to one in 30, depending on what state. So we are normalizing our toxicity. We are normalizing our fertility problems. And we are also normalizing these issues with hormones where mm. men have the lowest testosterone levels on record. Men now have lower testosterone levels in their 20s than some men that I see in their 80s. I literally have men with free testosterone levels in the tank in their 20 and they have erectile dysfunction. They're not even out of college yet and they have erectile dysfunction. So these issues with fertility, as you brought up in uh, hormones, this is a massive problem. Once again, it leads Always, always back to toxicity. Now, I'm not saying mold is the, the root cause of everything, but it's a big, big driver because we spend so much time inside. I mean, look, yesterday I was in the clinic all day. I cooked dinner inside. I cooked breakfast inside. I cooked lunch. And I was like, I told my wife, honey, what the heck am I doing? I got to get out there. So I forced myself outside and try to get a few hours out per day. But ultimately, even I'm guilty of being inside too much. And if you are in a water damaged building, which are very, very common, you're breathing these mycotoxins in. So if you can't get pregnant, 
first of all, obviously get your diet cleaned up, but you gotta test yourself for toxicity. Heavy metals, chemicals, pesticides, mold toxin. If you can resolve that, you can likely have a healthy baby. And I never get sick of seeing the pictures in my inbox of clients who said, I couldn't do it. And then here's the picture of the cute little baby with the little toboggan <laughs> on. That That's what makes it all worth it. I mean, it's it's great, brother. I mean, like, let's go on this route too. I love when we just talk because it's like we talk, we go down the, the, the mold avenue and we see in our culture because we feed mold. And I'm just, I want to touch base because many people out there, when they hear it, they're going to be like, man, I may have mold. I may have issues like this. What what feeds mold? What help, What is the issue that causes it to grow in the body? Sure, sure. And, and, the, and the question that you asked and I never answered because I oh, wanted so to sorry. go back to fertility was about the technology. It, it's the answer we've already discussed. It's the functional medicine labs that you can run on yourself. So organic acids, mycotoxin, DNA, Lyme and co-infection testing, DNA stool testing. You can do all this at home. So I get paid by the labs to actually train doctors how to do this stuff, so much so that I've created a course that's designed to teach people how to run their own labs and how to interpret them. I had a gastroenterologist of 20 years who took my course and she said, I learned more in your course about gut dysbiosis than I learned in 20 years of practicing gastroenterology. And that's a nice compliment, but it also scared me because I thought, oh my God, well, what kind of help have you been providing for 20 years? So, uh, <laughs> but it, it's, uh, but those are the technologies that are available now. So with, with logistics, as you mentioned, I could simultaneously help a client in Norway, Australia, Canada, and United States all in the same day because they're running the labs on themselves, getting it back, and then we get the results and do telemedicine calls for it. So in terms of logistics, I mean, everything's so streamlined nowadays that it's very, very, very easy to take back your health. People are just so afraid, though. People have been disempowered by the system, mm -hmm. and they don't know that they can take their power back and they can fix themselves. Once you've suffered for so long, you, you're so desperate. You're wanting someone to come save you. And I encourage mm -hmm. people to know, like, no one's coming to save you. You got to do this yourself. Now, I can motivate you. And hopefully, Dr. Motley and I here in this conversation is helping you guys listen to get motivated. But ultimately, you got to put one foot in front of the other, and you got to march yourself back to health. And you got to find the proper issues you're up against first. You can't guess. You can't go just take this leaky gut supplement and this probiotic and assume everything's going to get better. Mm -hmm. That may be a good Band-Aid and a good crutch to get you back up on your feet. But if you, if you don't dig deep enough, you're going to spin your wheels. That's, a, that's true. That's true, brother. It's like whenever you're not trying to identify or, you, we, you know, if you're going down one direction, it's not, there's not an answer there. You do have to look into infections. That guy's out there. Everybody's listening. It really is the toxicity he's talking about. It's the real deal. It does happen to, that's what we treat all day in our, in our clinics. Now, let's go back and talk about, we talk about like when it grows, when you find like there's metal content, metal, uh, heavy metals or, you know, the mold. What kind of internal environment is set up? Like, when, do you do like food testing? Do you, you know, when you try to find out like what person is eating or if they're eating too much sugars, what are the things that you look for? What do you ask your, your clients, your patients? What are they eating? What are they doing to feed and make this stuff grow? Sometimes it's nothing, which is yeah. a crazy answer, right? Because you assume that the woman must just be sitting back eating candy bars and drinking kombucha and alcohol all the time and just eating like chocolate. And sometimes I have clients that are totally dialed in, whether they're animal-based, whether they're plant-based, they're mm -hmm. all organic, they're eating grass-fed meats, they're eating healthy fats, they're doing avocado oil, like they're dialed in on the diet for years mm -hmm. and they can still show up with bold and candida problems. So don't assume that just because your diet's dialed in that you are exempt from having these problems because there's other toxins in the environment that weaken the immune system. On the other side, there are some people, but 
most people have already been listening to a podcast or a video or something I've done for six months to five years before they even reach out to me. So honestly, I rarely get people that are not already dialed in with nutrition and all the yeah. people that are already dialed in, they're still suffering. So of course, there may be a few outliers listening to this podcast, but I guarantee you most people listening to this, they're already working towards that more organic, possibly more local nutrient dense foods. And I wish it were that easy. Like you could just eat your way out of this. But and the reality is, depending on, like you said, heavy metals. So if you've got a mouthful of mercury, we know that candida loves heavy metals. So if you're mm. full of heavy metals, you're likely going to battle candida. So sure, I can give you an antifungal protocol that you can use. Saccharomyces boulardii, Paul Diarco, French tarragon, olive leaf to knock down the fungal problem. But if you don't get the metal out of your mouth, it's likely that candida is going to come right back. So your question was about what is the environment internally that people have when they get this problem. Sometimes the environment's pretty dang good. They're clean with nutrition. It's just that they've got metals or they mm. have other infections that have weakened them. So, and, and the cool thing is though, you can quantify this. So mm -hmm. you can look at someone's tongue and say, oh, you got a candida problem. But it's fun to see it on paper too. So there's a gas that candida produces. It's called arabinose. Mm -hmm. and so you can measure the levels of arabinose. So sometimes you're five points high. Okay, not so bad. Sometimes it's off the chart and you say, holy smokes, you know, you're a candida factory. Now to take it one step crazier, candida can actually recolonize you from your environment. So sometimes we see pets that have candida. For example, a dog that's eating a garbage conventional diet the dog can have a candida problem, they will be emitting spores of candida off of their fur into your breathable air. Oh, we, my word. So we use Petri dish testing to confirm this. So you can buy these Petri dishes that, that grow mold and you can set out the Petri dish next to your doggy bowl or next to your dog bed. Or for example, if your dog sleeps in your bed with you, you can put one of these mold testing plates on your, on your bed. And if there's a large candida problem coming off of you or your pet or your spouse, they will off-gas the spores into the air and it will grow on the plate. And you can show a client, look, look at this candida growing in your environment. And so this is the real smoking gun for people that can't get better. Even after they've done everything else, now we look into their environment because we found that the people that are the sickest, when we run these mold plates, their bedroom's full of candida. And we go, oh my God, where's it coming from? Well, it's the husband who doesn't believe in all this, thinks it's woo-woo. So he's eating pizza, drinking beer. He's full of candida. He's off-gassing it into the air. And then she gets recolonized by the sinuses, drip the spores down. Now the guts colonize with candida again. So this is why you got to think this big is, picture. This is amazing because brother, like, I mean, at times when you'll, you'll, uh, I've had you know, patients that come in and they seriously, they'll, they'll go, yeah, I never had acne issues until I got married to my husband. Like I never had acne issues or anything. Then they, uh, you look at them and they have yeast mold, like all over them. And then the, the husband, not putting down husbands out there, we're, we're not talking, but they won't come in because oh, nothing's wrong with me. I'm fine. But then you think, I did not know about that off sporing. So, guys, so what we're saying is, guys, if you're doing everything you can to like get, you know, feel better and things happen and you still feel bad, it, what Evan's saying is there could be another infection involved. You got to do that testing to see if there's something else that's driving the whole situation. I mean, that's valuable. What's the name of the, is the play? Is there a certain name for that? Because I want to do that for like, like myself, that'd be awesome. Yeah, there's there's a company we use out of New Mexico. It's called Immunolytics. So like your immune system, Immuno, and then yeah. Lytics, L-Y-T-I-C. So we run that on almost every new client because like I said, they've already been to five, 10 practitioners. They've already spent thousands of dollars on supplements. They're ready to get better. So I have a lot of pressure on me because I'm like the end of the rope guy. And so I'm like, look, we got to do it. We got to look at urine. We got to look at stool. We got to look at your environment. And yeah, oftentimes it is the environment that's keeping people sick. 
Now, some people move out of the environment and stay sick, right? But that's where yeah. we talked about the colonizations going on internally. And so then you have to treat the environment. So typically we'll use a blend of citrus oils and we'll treat the home. So we'll use candles, we have a misting product, and then I have a fogging solution. It's called Oasis and we will fog the home. And that fog actually denatures mold and candida, making it non-viable to the immune system. So it'll break apart these pieces so small then yeah. it doesn't register to the immune system. Then you come in with a wet mop and then yeah. you've gotten rid of the candida problem in the environment. Oh my and goodness. So, can so I get this, it off your website? The fog? The, the, the fog? Yeah, yeah, you can. On my Aura Root store, we, we carry it. Now, the the reality is also rental homes so and apartments, anything that you're renting. So as you mentioned, some clients that come to you and say, well, I didn't get sick till I got married. Well, likely they got some some infection from their spouse, but also we see people that everything was fine until they moved into this new condo or townhome or apartment. Mm -hmm. We test it and either there's a big mold problem from previous water damage from the tenant upstairs or there's a big candida problem. So even though all the quote materials like the furniture is removed from the previous tenant, well, you're moving into their microbiome. So there's a microbiome of your home. So if you're coming into a sick environment, these previous tenants were sick. If they just did some all-purpose cleaner and wiped down the fridge for you before you move in, that's not enough. If you've got a, an apartment full of candida in the carpet, you go stomping in on that carpet on moving day, you're going to breathe up their spores that they off-gassed. This is such good information. I'm telling you, brother, this is going to be a, the, the best podcast. Is this why, okay, you know as well as I do, and people out there listening, like if you smell a dog sometimes, I'm serious, they can be a young dog, a dog can have like a really bad stench. And in fact, I'm not putting down anybody ever, you know, worked on. I'm saying that sometimes people come in and they have a certain sour, like a smell to them on their skin. And that could be a big, you know, off-gassing thing that if the spores are coming out of the skin, that's, is that one explanation maybe for that? For dogs, they have certain oils. So I'll blame probably some of that on just natural dog smell because they have different oils, but definitely humans. You know, I used to actually work in a chiropractor's office. I started my functional medicine pra practice out of a chiropractor's office, but he was kind of old school, you know, crack and go kind of chiropractor. And so mm -hmm. once I started implementing the testing and the supplements, his patients no longer needed to come in every week for an adjustment because they were so healthy. Their adjustments yeah. wouldn't stick because they were so adrenally fatigued yeah. or had other problems. So yeah. then when we got him healthy, they're like, oh, doc, I don't need an adjustment this week. So then, I, <laughs> so then of course, I was going to put him out of business. So that's when we parted ways. And I, and I went full-time virtual in about 2015 at the end of uh, 2014. And so, so long story short, I smelled a lot of people in that building. And let me tell you, the people that you smell, they would look like walking candida. You would see dark circles under the eyes, as you well know with your mm -hmm. expertise, that's the liver. So you could see liver toxicity on these people's faces. You could see their tongue. I would look at their tongue. You could see the candida problem. They were full thrush. You could see the skin issues. You can even have fungal infections of the skin. So you'd see these nasty little white patches on the skin. Mm -hmm. Obviously you could see eczema, you could see acne. See, the dermatologist doesn't bring this up to you, but a lot of the skin manifestations that you see on people, this is related to the smell. So you could smell people that smell yeasty or mm -hmm. they literally smell moldy. I mean, maybe that was on their clothes, but you'd have people come in and they smell like mold. Yeah. And as you start to develop the relationship, you find out their basement leaked or their sump pump failed. And mm -hmm. you're like, oh my God, so that's why you smell like mold. And of course they have sugar cravings because the mold wants to be fed, the candida wants to be fed. So now they're battling and they're trying to just use willpower to not eat the cake or the cookies or the ice cream. But let me tell you, it's not a lack of willpower that's the problem. These people could try to wish themselves out of that craving all day. If you've got internal colonization, you've got to fix that. So people beat themselves up and 
they go to a nutritionist or a personal trainer and they think they need this like boot camp military style coaching like don't eat the sugar it's like you're not talking to the person you got to talk to the mold it's the mold who wants it so <laughs> so long story short you would see people you would see the manifestations on the skin now the dermatology people my wife had massive skin issues years ago and we went through all the dermatology treatments of this topical steroids and all that not once did they talk about diet the gut candida mold toxicity personal care products none of it and so i think there's a big disconnect as you know in the medical world the gastroenterologist isn't thinking about the environment the you get referred to the tropical disease specialist for parasites but he's not thinking about candida he's thinking about the parasite and he's going to give you parasite medication so the dermatologist over here is looking at your skin they're not discussing the fact that you might have colonization of candida they're just giving you steroids and the ENT doctor who's treating you for tinnitus and sore throat they're not talking to you about Bartonella and Babesia and the psychologist and psychiatrist isn't suggesting that your rage and anxiety and depression is coming from mold so do you see how we've messed up because we've over specialized and we've divided this thing so far apart the psychologist is not going to have the phone call with the gastroenterologist who's going to have the phone call with the dermatologist we're all so separated now that everybody misses the freaking boat so we're all looking at the pieces of the elephant this is a tail this is a hand this is a snout they don't have the full picture though nobody can figure out this is the elephant in the room because mm -hmm. they're only looking at that one tiny piece and so i just encourage people that when you think about this, whether it's bringing in the acupuncture pieces, the Chinese medicine pieces, the naturopathic pieces, the functional medicine pieces, I don't care what specialty you're working on, but I want to encourage people, it's very important to zoom in enough, but don't zoom in so much that you miss the whole picture. Because see, I went all in on Lyme for a while, and I thought, okay, Lyme, 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 that's my problem, and I missed the mold, like I told you, until I got sick and tested it via urine. Then I go, oh crap, it's mold. Or then you go to the thyroid guy and he says it's all thyroid, so you run down that rabbit hole and you're no better. Well, mm. a lot of the gut infections affect thyroid because now you have malabsorption in the gut, so now you don't have the nutrients you need to fuel the thyroid. So if you go on thyroid medication, even if it's natural, if you don't fix the gut, you're never going to fully heal your thyroid. And not to mention Hashimoto's autoimmune thyroid is massively triggered by the bacteria Klebsiella. So if you don't treat the Klebsiella and you just go on, let's say, natural desiccated thyroid or Cytomel natural T3, but you haven't addressed the gut infection, well, you could do that forever, but you're never going to get those thyroid antibodies down until you get rid of the bacteria driving that up. Oh, my goodness, brother. We got to do, do another podcast. I want to go into like with you about hormones and, and things of that sort. I think that would be another great podcast. So can we do that? I think I really wanted to, we need to do another one where we can go, because I know this is going to be lots for people to digest, but we got to do another one where we can talk about the thyroid and, and talk about hormones and just go down that rabbit trail too. Okay. That would be awesome. It, it, it'll be fun. And, and also think about it. The endocrinologist is not looking at Klebsiella. They're looking at thyroid markers. They're typically running TSH and that's about it. And that's not even a thyroid hormone. That's thyroid stimulating hormone. That's not actual thyroid hormone. And so yes. maybe you get lucky and they run free T3, but they're often not running TPO antibodies, TG antibodies, TSI antibodies. So you look at the TSH, the number's high. They say you have hypo, but what if you've got Hashimoto's? You may be having swings. Maybe they caught you in the swing where you're hypo, but if the immune system attacks a thyroid, you could go hyperthyroid. So now you're anxious on your thyroid medication. You're having panic attacks because you're getting overdosed on thyroid meds because they're only treating based on TSH. So yeah, we could do a whole show on that. We're going to do it. Uh, this has been great. And got, Evan, tell everybody how to get in contact. You tell them about your website, your feed, tell them how to get a hold of you. 
Sure, sure. So the website's evanbrand.com, and you can see all the podcasts. Um, 10-year anniversary this year, so that's a long-time podcast. And there were not many people talking about stuff like this even just a decade ago. I know it feels like everybody's talking about this kind of stuff, but a decade ago there wasn't many, and I felt like I was like on an island. So it was kind of lonely back then. And um, I do still run a clinical practice. I do see people two days a week. And then otherwise, I'm educating people. I'm teaching doctors and naturopaths and other people. I'm building courses. I do business coaching to help people grow their practices. And then I also do the functional medicine training courses where you can learn how to fix your gut issues, fix your energy problems. So I have free one-hour classes that people can watch. And that's on my site. It's called Better Energy. And then there's the Better Belly. And then there's a Better Home course too, which is all about the optimization of the home. So VOCs, painting materials, flooring materials, what I've learned after building two houses, spending over a million dollars on two different properties. How do you do it right? How do you not make yourself bankrupt? Oh, what if you have mold great. problems? Um, so, so those are all the, the courses that I have to offer for people. Oh my goodness, brother. Everybody go check his website out. He's a wealth of knowledge. We're going to have you on again, man. I really appreciate it, brother. And Anytime that uh, you ever just want to just share knowledge with us, we're going to have you on because I can't wait to do the, the hormone one with you, okay? So guys, check out Evan Brand. He has great information. We are so grateful that you guys have joined us today. Um, we want to make sure that you get the best information out there, succinct and easy to digest. But guys, remember, never stop investigating. So guys, and uh, Evan, Dr. Axe gives his best. My co-host, Courtney, she couldn't be on today. She gives her, you her best. They said hello, and uh, we can't wait to have you on again. Thanks, Evan. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.